Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, good shot. Get in. Let's go! Let's go! James over there? I mean, the stance, the shot, everything. There's that recessive clutch gene, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let me see this hat. White Sox, baby. Well, Dylan Cease was the guy who started for the White Sox. That was Dylan Cease. He was talking about needing to treat these games like playoff games and he was up at a disc golf playoff on the all-star break so we are going to figure that out we will talk about Dylan Cease later and the the confluence of White Sox pitching and the Wake and Bake Club and another athletic event in the meantime here on the score we're going to the scores hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book we welcome in Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago White Sox insider. Vinny, how you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing good. I have a question. If the White Sox treat these like playoff games, does that mean they're just going to be choke and be gone and that's it? Season's over? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, Dylan and uh, his teammates had a little bit of different things to say yesterday. Certainly, uh, you know, I, I think it's only human nature to get up for, for a game against uh, another first-place team, right? I mean, it's a playoff preview, perhaps, for what you've got coming in October. But before the game, the talk was all very different. It was, you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to tr- treat these all the same. We just want to win. But at the end of the at the end of the day, they were uh, the losers in a, in a blowout fashion again to this same Astros team that swept them in four games last month. So uh, it's certainly natural to question whether they are going to be able to handle these great teams, these other contenders, come playoff time. It was a great start to that game. I mean, Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson hooking up. Uh, Anderson and Moncada back-to-back doubles. Dylan Cease looked unstoppable early. And let me just ask you about Dylan Cease, though, because he did. He looked great. Even Steve Stone said it was the best that he'd ever seen Cease. And I think Chuck Garfine repeated what Stone said in the post-game show as well. And then he just kind of lost concentration. What happens with with Dylan Cease. Not that last night was bad, but it just didn't end as well as it started. Yeah, I think the thing that you hear from from the White Sox, certainly when I've talked to like pitching coach Ethan Katz and, and, and guys like Tony La Russa and stuff like that, they say, you know, Dylan Cease is still growing. He's still learning. And, and I think that's kind of hard for some fans to wrap their minds around considering this is his third year in the big leagues. But uh, he's obviously still a young guy. And as we've seen from many other players on this White Sox team. Sometimes it takes a while to put all the pieces together. Um, that being said, he's those flashes of brilliance, I think, are coming becoming more and more common. Uh, this year, in my opinion, is certainly the best he's been in his three. Uh, and just because he's not going out there and, and doing the all-star kind of stuff that Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon are doing from start to finish every time, doesn't mean that he's having, doesn't mean that he's not having a good year. So, um, I think when it comes to Cease, you know, it, it obviously is all about consistency. We saw last year what happened last night in a vast, vastly more dramatic fashion, right? He'd, he'd start good, and then he'd hit that bump, and then things would just crumble, and it would, it would right. turn out poor. Uh, this year, that hasn't happened as much, uh, and I think last night you saw a guy who is maybe learning to keep his team in the game when those kind of stumbling blocks happen for him. 
We're talking with Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago White Sox insider, talking White Sox baseball here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you as part of Saturday Suckage. And speaking of suckage, there are all kinds of bad statistics, Vinny. The, the White Sox 0-5 against the Astros. They're under 500 against teams 500 or better. All seven Astros runs came with two out. And yet, and they've been outscored 34 to nine by the. I, I don't know how the Astros are cheating. I'm sure we'll eventually find out. But I, and I'm sure they're cheating with um, don't ask, don't tell Dusty, who is used to managing guys who cheat and just ignores it. But Liam Hendricks is the guy who'll be first to tell you about how the regular season really doesn't matter. A less dramatic version of the way Lance Lynn said. Uh, uh, yeah, last Lance Lynn said it. It's June. Who gives a bleep? But Hendricks's A's were seven and three against Houston last year, and then lost the ALDS three games to one. I don't know what, I don't know how that changes. I don't know how it magically happens for the White Sox, but it would appear they need reinforcements. They need to to add to this roster. If that's going to happen, what do you see happening? There's a lot of things that could happen, and I think the good news for the White Sox, something that's made Rick Hahn's job a little bit easier here as the trade deadline approaches, is they're expecting these guys that have been hurt all year and have been hurt more recently to be back. I mean, Aloy Jimenez is, is on a rehab assignment at Charlotte right now. I mean, he should be back soon. Uh, you know. And then you've got Luis Robert potentially not far behind him. He was cleared to, to increase his baseball activities a couple weeks ago. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, yeah, he had the surgery, but expected back before the end of the season. And I think all that really goes hand-in-hand hand with what Liam Hendricks was saying yesterday in that you need to hit October on a hot streak. Tony La Russa said it, too. You want to be peaking uh, when October rolls around, when the postseason gets there. And the way the White Sox kind of injury timelines are setting up is going to help them do that. So perhaps the number of areas that Rick Hahn needs to look at, which immediately after the Grandal injury really looked like it was a lot, is not as big as we thought it was. Now, certainly I think the bullpen is going to be an area uh, that, that could be addressed because you're seeing guys who were dominant a year ago not being dominant this year. Evan Marshall is on the injured list. Matt Foster just got sent to AAA. And Aaron Bummer comes back from the injured list last night and has kind of a microcosm of his season in one inning where, you know, he's not as dominant, so he's walking guys and he's hitting guys wild pitches. And then when he does get the weak contact that he's kind of built his career on so far, it ends up in a spot where it turns into an infield hit and all of a sudden the inning is just blown up. So I think the bullpen is probably going to be an area when it comes to catcher, uh, you might might see something, a smaller move maybe in terms of a catcher, just because Yasmani Grandal might not be back for a while. It doesn't mean he won't be back, but he might not be back for a while. And then obviously we've heard about second base, you know, for what seems like a month now already uh, <laughs> in certain rumors. Uh, you know, they still don't have their starting second baseman, and they're not going to uh, the rest of the season. So you would think that would be a, a hole to plug. Yeah, I mean, Lurie Garcia certainly did not win the gig last night with some of uh, the moments that he had last night. But I, I do want to stay on the the bullpen and Michael Kolpak. And obviously they've had him on something of a regimented schedule that they have kept with this year. But do you think they're going to slowly but surely try using him in a different way, as in come in more often with men on base and sort of the the high the high wire acts as opposed to clean innings, in which he's been great. But I'd like to see him more in those those tougher spots. I absolutely think that's what's going to happen. I mean, listening to Tony Larusa talk about Michael Kopech yesterday. Uh, you know, coming off of those great outings that Kopech had in Baltimore, he's yeah. saying, yeah, now he's he's cleared to, to, to go a couple innings now if he has to. Obviously, that's going to mean more rest maybe coming after if he pitches two innings one game. He might not pitch for a few days after that. But he also complimented how he has been put into high-leverage spots in the past. Maybe that's been a clean inning, but it's been late in the game in a close game kind of thing. And LaRusso was very complimentary of how Kopech has handled that. So in the end, the White Sox are trying to win the World Series, and LaRusso is a guy who is going to turn to his most reliable pitchers when he can. Kopech has been, you know, if not number one because of Liam Hendricks and how good he's been, number two in terms of reliability this year out of the bullpen. And I definitely think that he is going to play an increased role as time goes along. Uh, Also because they have been able to kind of – keep him 
you know, in check a little bit with that workload so far that I think they wanted him all along to be able to be strong for September and October. And it might, it might look like a ramp up more so than a we've got to watch the line we're approaching kind of thing. Vinny Duber is our guest. He is the White Sox insider for NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking White Sox here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. In whatever the moves the, the Sox make, whatever their approach is, and clearly it's winning the World Series, and the only World Series they can win is this year's, how much do you think, if at all, how much do you think it'll play a part that with the, there might not be a next season, that there might be a delayed next season, that the the World Series that you have in front of you now, that opportunity now, who knows what's going to happen with collective bargaining agreement coming? Do you think that will play a part in what the White Sox do and how much they're willing to give up if a big if if let's say Wilson Contreras was a target? Wow, we're willing to give up some some bigger names. These guys might not advance next year. There might not be a next year, but we know what Wilson Contreras is now, and we know what our chances are now and how much better we are with him as a, as a catcher who can actually catch. I think that's a fair point, uh, just because there is so much uncertainty, and we saw last year when the season was shortened how tricky things might be between the union and the league. Um, but that being said, I, I just go back to what Rick Hahn has said all along, and this is very much a long-term project. Uh, it, it was during the rebuilding years, and now that they're contenders, it, it remains a long-term project as well. That doesn't mean that they're okay with passing on winning this year. They are all in, obviously, trying to win this year. But going hand-in-hand hand with that is look at how they have Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Yoan Moncada signed to these long-term deals. Look at all these guys that are going to be here, not just in the next couple years, but moving forward long term. A guy like Andrew Vaughn, for example, who, you know, could be a part of this for a very long time. Nick Madrigal, the same way. You could go around the diamond pretty much and and, and point to not just one or two years, but many years of control on a lot of those positions, you know. And, And I think that it has always been about keeping the White Sox a contender for a very long time. Now, all you have to do is look to the other side of town to see how difficult that is, uh, you know, and, and see, like, once you win one doesn't mean you're guaranteed anything past that, obviously. Uh, but I do think that it's not about kind of the old, you know, stereotype of the, of the White Sox or the, the reputation they had that might not have been 100% accurate of, you know, going and getting all these veterans to just chase this October and then we'll worry about April after that. Uh, I think it really has been a long-term project that they want to be a contender with a lot of these same pieces uh, moving forward. Vinny, uh, Lucas Giolito pitches tonight against Jake Odorizzi of the the Houston Astros in that Sox-Astros game. I know Giolito kind of got well against, I believe it was in the Baltimore series, but that's that's Baltimore and they're a horrible barometer. Any concerns going forward about Giolito getting back to being dominant and being the ace that he once was? Because he's really not an ace right now. Yeah, I I think certainly Lucas will be the first person to tell you that he hasn't had the season that he's wanted to. And and I think also you look around the White Sox pitching staff and you're like, well, we, you know, they've got two all-stars in that starting rotation. Why isn't Lucas Giolito one of them, right? I mean, you know, and and so, you know, it's kind of uh, uh, punishment by comparison there a little bit. Um, I think he's shown, I I think he's done plenty to prove himself. And and obviously it's a, what's, what have you done for me lately league? I understand that. But I mean, you go back to last year, you look at what he did in the no-hitter and in some of those games against Minnesota and some other teams. And then, for me, the most impressive thing was the playoff game, right? I mean, th- that's, when you want, that's when you want your ace to be your ace is when the season is on the line. And, and he went out there in his first-ever playoff game and pitched one of the best games he's ever pitched. So I think that that is the confidence that he gives to his teammates and that he gives to the White Sox. Um, White Sox fans are obviously, like I mentioned, going to be going to be looking at that nice box score, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and wondering, you know, why isn't he throwing a no hitter every night, perhaps, or, or, or has no hitter stuff every night? We should say, but uh, I, I think he's proved that he deserves the chance, and, and until he proves otherwise, um, I, I think he he is one of the guys that they can turn to in their most important moments. Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago, White Sox insider. We're talking uh, White Sox on the score. We're also 
as part of Saturday Suckage, we're also the Wake and Bake Club. And so I'm going back to a story that Vinny wrote on, it was posted on June 8th. And it's about Dylan Cease. And the reason I go to this is because Dylan Cease is a disc golf fanatic. And naturally, that would attract the Wake and Bake Club. That would have some interest because that's sort of disc golf has always been code for, it's a different, <clears throat> different translation for 420. Not in Dylan Cease's case. He's explained, share with the class, Vinny. I was stunned by this, and I guess I shouldn't have been, especially with a pitcher, but the fact that he is, how into it he is, and what kind of swag he's got. And we heard coming in, Stifler played the cut from Vinny's All Star break, was up at some kind of disc golf tournament or championships. Share with the class what it means, what disc golf means to Dylan Cease. Yeah, I mean, I think all these all these guys are humans, right? They have their hobbies outside of their job. And, you know, we all have things that we are crazy about that we don't necessarily broadcast. Uh, but uh, he's crazy about this. I mean, he got into it a few years ago with his brother, uh, and they've been playing ever since. And, you know, like you said, it might it maybe shouldn't be a surprise for a pitcher, right? Because the first, one of the first things he told me in that interview was that he was really interested in the way that you can shape the shots, right? That you can, you know, make the discs move the – uh, with by what you're doing, and that's very similar to what these guys do on a daily basis in trying to get their pitches to move in a certain way. So um, I, I think also he's just you know a guy who likes to go outside and and have fun with it. And as he's gotten more and more into it, being a more uh, notable person than the uh, average disc golf participant, perhaps uh, he's gotten some hookups from some of the uh, professionals, and uh, he's able to. Uh, he, I, it's funny he said. He was telling me how he's got this massive collection of discs, and he'll go out before games sometimes and just throw them on on the field at Guaranteed Rate Field. We can see it from the press box. And the other day, he had set up a a disc golf hole in in left field, and he had this bag. Man, it was like the duffel bag that I bring on a on a two city road trip. Uh, I mean, it was it was gigantic. It was full of discs. And he was, he was throwing, I mean, he's sitting there throwing, and you're like, how many is he going to do here before he has to go get them? And it was like 15 or 20, it looked like. So uh, he loves it, man, and that's great. It's, it's great to have a hobby. Uh, it's great to have something that you care about outside of your job, and especially with these baseball guys where everybody else's hobby is watching them. It's good that they're able to do something that isn't, uh, you know, super stressful for them every once in a while. I love that. I love that, Vinny. I appreciate it. Thanks. That's just that's the WB Club needs. I a texture lets us know it ain't no hippie sport anymore. It, I never said it was just a hippie sport. It still can be, and it still can be code for for 420. It just allows you to do that. And other times you can learn to shape your shots. And and I can't wait until he gets up there in the playoffs and and throws a two hit, you know, goes two hits over seven innings and. 12 strikeouts and says, I, I owe it all to disc golf, and he gets more swag for mentioning <laughs> mentioning a disc golf name, right? Isn't that where this is headed, right, Vinny? <laughs> hey, I think uh, I think where this is headed, he told me it was in the story. He, he's hoping to put a little YouTube channel together of, uh, of his, uh, his disc golfing exploits. He wants to make sure he can lock down the pitching thing first. He wants to establish himself as a successful uh, – White Sox pitcher before he gets all into that, but uh, that's what's down the road. He said he wants to design his own discs and everything, so uh, he's into it, no doubt. All right, well, we'll find out if Snoop Dogg plays disc golf, and then we'll really have something. Appreciate your time, Vinny. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Vinny Duber, NBC Sports Chicago, White Sox insider. I love that. Disc golf. And he said whatever he's gaining from it, shaping shots, shaping pitches. I love that, so... You know, um, you know if he like if he like struggles though that everybody be like ah oh, too much disc golf you know you can't yeah. be doing that yeah yeah you got any contact no, guys cool. out there because we all know about disc golf yeah all right right so all we're right. gonna take a break and I'm quite intrigued by what Mark heard what I've heard yes, about what Mark be. heard I want to come you back and be. do that and make sure that we have the rest of the hour to devote time to it so Good. we're gonna do that next on Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Except Mark. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage indeed. Welcome in, welcome back. And this is our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. Mark, what did you heard? This is going to be a specialized edition of What Mark Heard. It is a What Mark Heard investigation, and it centers on the very real allegations centering on the Blackhawks, which has turned into a legal matter. And I will refresh everybody on the story, but then you will hear some really interesting comments from Rick Westhead. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Stevie Sunshine. He is of TSN Canada. Which is Canada's ESPN. He's a quality reporter up there. Okay, so I'm good. You know him. And he was on with Bernstein Nurhimi yesterday, and it was a great segment. And just to get everybody back acquainted with the story because we've done a crap job of covering i i have i've I've not done a good job and i don't think chicago has media has done a good job of covering it and i am included in that so i'm trying to do my part here just to give the facts but the blackhawks hired an independent law firm to conduct an independent review of sexual assault allegations against the former video coach for the blackhawks brad aldridge So Jenner and Block will conduct what they're calling an independent review of the allegations. As you probably have heard, an unidentified former player from 2010 from the the Cup team alleged that Aldrich sexually assaulted him and another player during the Stanley Cup run. Former skills coach Paul Vincent told TSN that he called a meeting before the 2010 Western Conference Final to inform management, the management group, of the allegations and to advise executives to report the the incident to police. But they allegedly never did. The, the meeting allegedly occurred with then-president of the team, John McDonough, GM Stan Bowman, and an executive named Al McIsaac. Um, there's also allegations that they didn't fulfill a legal responsibility to keep this guy against whom the allegations are to get another job, which he did. Um, the Blackhawks likely main point of defense in the cases against them will hinge on the fact that 
since the player was not a minor, disabled, or in an elderly care facility, they are not legally required to report anything. And that I've got four cuts here. That's where we will start with Rick Westhead clarifying that situation, repeating some of what I said, but adding a little bit of texture to it as well. Here's Westhead. I'm just curious why optically and why maybe maybe you know why the Blackhawks would rather fight this over $100,000, whatever it is, than admit any wrongdoing, the, the optics of this being as bad as they are. Well, well, first, I think this is about much more than $100,000. So that, that, that number is a placeholder in, uh, in a court filing. You know, this is a, this is a multi-million dollar claim. Make, make no mistake. Um, in terms of why, I don't know. I mean, it's one of, the things I, one of the things I've wondered over the last months reporting this is, how would the NBA have handled this any differently? That, to, in my mind, that league seems to just get so many of these hard uh, moments, controversial subjects. They, they seem to get it right. Uh, more often than other leagues do, and you know you're you're right. There was a filing that the Blackhawks made recently asking for both of these lawsuits that they're facing to be tossed out of court, and and they made the point, they made the legal argument rather that because this former Blackhawks player was not a minor, was not disabled, and was not over the age of 65, and living in a you know assisted care facility. That they didn't have a more, uh, they didn't have a legal obligation to report the alleged abuse to authorities, and yet yeah, that that might be in terms of the letter of the law. They also said that the lawsuit filed by this former high school hockey player in Michigan, who Brad Aldrich did sexually abuse and was convicted of abusing in 2013, the team said, well, you know, we, if there was a if there was a letter of reference that was provided to Brad Aldrich when we let him go in 2010. Uh, the letter of reference was not specific to that volunteer coaching position in Michigan. So, um, you know, I guess kudos to the Blackhawks lawyers for coming up with some creative arguments. But in the court of public opinion, as you point out morally, I think a lot of people would wonder whether that's the right thing, to, the, the right argument to make. Yeah, I mean, something happened and like instead of using the law and, and I guess that's all he's right good point by Rick West a creative lawyering that's that's what it's all about but I think it would be much more refreshing and I think that fans Blackhawks fans or people in general audience would appreciate hey yeah we screwed up and we'll we'll take what we have to take because of it creative lawyering is a phrase that is code for morally bankrupt Till I hear more from the Blackhawks, I will think of them as morally bankrupt. It's despicable that the way this has proceeded and sat for so long, and you have Brent Sopel, among others, he's Mm -hmm. been a guest on the show before, saying every player knew. Now you've got player Jonathan Taves said, no, I didn't know. And you're you're going to have some kind of bleaching of the truth because the Blackhawks are controlling everything. And again, the despicability and the morally, the, the moral bankruptcy goes right to the idea that, that to the top of the league in gutless Gary Bettman, and here's why. The Blackhawks were allowed to pick the law firm to investigate them. The Blackhawks are going to pay for this investigation. <laughs> really? No conflict of interest? No lawyer would think that? Bettman wouldn't think that. We'll rely on the investigation and see where we are then. And the Blackhawks don't think they're going to stink after all this. The the conflict of interest is so obvious and so screaming. They've declared their guilt in every way, perhaps, except legally. If the Blackhawks were indeed innocent if the Blackhawks were not guilty of pandering to any of this, covering up any of this, then they would welcome an independent investigation by someone chosen by the defend by the plaintiff, by someone chosen by the, well, not the league. The league has every reason to keep the Blackhawks popular and keep the, and minimize the taint. But, but they're not. And so the the Blackhawks are doing their best to insulate them, and and I don't know it hasn't been brought up, but 
aren't there, you work at Odyssey, we, the, all the places we've worked, Mark, aren't mm -hmm. there workplace standards for harassment? Aren't oh my God, yeah. Got to rules? watch a, a so long video. The, if, yeah. yeah, right. So there's not, well, he wasn't, even if you're not a minor, even if you're uh, over that age, there are rules that protect you from workplace sexual harassment. Um, I have no idea what this organization is going to do other than it will, it will bleach as much as it can out of it. But I think that we can, this, this is where the Blackhawks lack of transparency, the, the, the depravity of this, and their refusal to stand there to, to believe that they could withstand an independent investigation, not one that they fund at the law firm of their choosing, that you could, this investigation could lead to, well, who was at the meeting? And we start with John McDonough. Well, who was surprisingly summarily dismissed? Maybe by the time this had, the law the lawsuit was originally being put together, and motions were being filed, and I I don't know what the timeline is. We still don't know why John McDonough was kicked out of the Blackhawks organization. That's Could true. this be it? Could this be it? Could this be this was coming? We need to get a we we need to get away from this, and 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 then what? You put the timeline out there. I don't know what it is with what when Susan Loggins is representing the the plaintiff in this. I don't know when she began that her she began making her filings or began to approach the Blackhawks. But if this were apparent, then I could see why they'd want to fire John McDonough, who was report according to Vincent. Right? Wasn't that the mental skills coach? He was the one who said. McDonough was in the room before the Western Conference Finals among all of this? Yeah, and they were, yeah, right? that's, okay. that was Stan Bowman, uh, right. Al McIsaac, and John McDonough. That, that is, you know, at, those are allegations allegedly. So. Maybe we don't do a phone call right now. Well, it's yeah. it's not a phone call. I, I didn't know how to really break in, okay. uh, but it is important, and this okay. is important as well. But uh, the White Sox four minutes ago just announced that they have – uh, agreed to terms on a two-year extension with Lance Lynn, two years, $38 million. Wow. With a club option for the 2024 season. So I felt that's like pretty it was fantastic. necessary. Sorry about that. It's no, July. that's okay. Who gives a bleep? No, that's right. We love Lance Lynn. Yes, that is that. shocking. I did not think they were going to be able to extend Lance Lynn. That's, that's great because they had, obviously, Michael Kopech, they, they are hopefully tuning him up to be a starter next year. They've talked about Garrett Crochet stepping in for those two spots, Carlos Rodon and for Lance Lynn next year. But that's that's fantastic that Lance Lynn's going to be around for a couple more years. The <laughs> Thank you, Stifler. No, that was good, Stifler. You did the right thing. I was just afraid that that was going to be a phone call, like from right. Toby and God bless Toby. But no, right. that that was terrific. That was good. Sean Anderson, nice job. So the Chicago White Sox treated, tweeted out this with two pictures of Lance Lynn and one where he's yelling. It He looks like the guy who has now been rewarded. He's like the guy who won a contest. He's the White Sox fan who won a contest who gets to pitch for the White Sox. That's what he looks like. <laughs> And so God bless him for doing that. And the White Sox, Rocking way to go. Back. Yeah, that's it. By the way, I have, I have two last points about what we were talking about with the, the yes. morally bankrupt Blackhawks. Don't you wonder yes. how the Patrick King case went away? Absolutely. Right. They, okay. And it, it went away. You know, I know how after. it went away. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but if a, a – if an organization is going to hire, is going to make sure to hire its own law firm to do its own investigation, and they'll come out looking like the vicars of Christ, then I think we know how they got, how they made sure that, that Patrick Kane did nothing went for, further. And whatever else there might be with any other players, I don't know. Look how far back we're going to hear about this. So who knows what may come out? And one more thought. If Brent Sopel is right, Players knew about this. Every player knew about this in 2010. I don't know why they didn't say anything. They were probably looking out for their own jobs. But they seem more worried about keeping media 
off the logo, the carpet. Stay off the logo in the, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, the right. in the dressing room. Stay off the logo. Yeah. Stay off the logo. Really? You know what? Why don't you stay off the sexual harassment and, and help somebody be, be a better human being? And that's what the Blackhawks seemingly re refuse to do. They've not said anything more than finding the legal dance steps to appear morally bankrupt in my eyes. Well, and then let me, I'll give you a couple more, one more things here too. This, you know, the allegations are that this went down in 2010. Allegedly, that's when the meeting was too. A sad fact of our sports culture is that when teams win, things go away a lot easier and we forgive a lot more. The Blackhawks were great in 2010 if they had just come out with it and said what was going on and went through the legal process then, they wouldn't be dealing with it now when they have a bad team as opposed to then when they had a great team that was poised to win two more cups after the cup they won that year. This would all be, sadly, it would have been gone for, for their sake. And, yeah, they had no problem trotting Patrick Kane out there, too, to not answer questions. Remember when they did the whole thanks for the question, but I can't answer <laughs> yes. it? Thanks for the question. Thanks Thank you so question. much for the question. Thank you. Yeah, I love you, but I can't. Yeah. yeah so. Very good question. I, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I, I, I hope we get answers to that. I hope that's pursued. I don't expect the Blackhawks to help us with any of this. Uh, the timing of it before the uh, when you when you say in 2010, come out with this, answer this, admit to this or whatever. Are you talking about at that moment, at the meeting, like before the Western yeah. Conference Finals? Yeah, that's when supposedly the meeting that allegedly occurred with, with McDonough, McIsaac, and Stan Bowman. And if they did something about it, whether that was to the police or organizational, or just reported it to the right people, then, then maybe, well, then yeah, it's going to be a big deal, and it should be, and it was. But then they go on to win the cup. So, and there's a parade for, from an organizational standpoint and a public relations standpoint. I don't think you would have blown anything up then because that team was going to win and, you know, everybody loved those guys. I don't know about blowing it up, but I do know that the, the, the critical part of that is that Western Conference Finals opened in San Jose and the Blackhawks were badly outplayed. And Antti Niemi mm. won that series for them he, because he won the San Jose part of that series and in, in those games. And I can't imagine it would have been easy for the Hawks to win a series if they had been con if players had been constantly been asked about this sick story. So I understand. And plus, we've, we clearly know that winning is winning is it, for this team. Winning will trump everything. Winning did trump. Yeah everything and yeah. that's the way it seems to be playing out the Blackhawks have not said anything contrary they found the legal dance steps to kind of say hey look at us look how slick we are and that doesn't mean you're not morally bankrupt and that doesn't mean and I maybe they'll have maybe they will explain themselves at a later time and it'll be clearer and they can't do it for legal reasons as this case proceeds but when you when you hire a law firm to hire to do an investigation there's no way this is going to be clean your conflict of interest is just as bad the appearance of conflict is just as bad as an actual conflict and that's where the Blackhawks are and they don't care there's too much money at stake you know the hundred thousand dollars hundred and fifty thousand dollars the figure that was kicked around that Rick West had told Bernstein and Rahimi was a placeholder yeah yeah yep millions and millions and millions of dollars at stake it resounds it is exponential in some ways because of what a franchise's value is what a what a personal what personal worth is and the way that plays out in the course of a franchise potentially and the yeah. blackhawks may not know the answer to that but they know it's not good and they know it's a big red number so <laughs> All right, you want? Um, what are we doing here? Do we get a? Are we. I, I well, Stifler keeps telling us to take a break, but I imagine right. is there more. Is there more? There, I've got like three more cuts, but do we? Yes. Why don't we, wanna, why do we that. have a meeting during the break? Well, let's have a meeting during the break. We get. I I've got a lot more on, the on this story. But I yeah, we, did all we can our do it on the, on the air. Okay. I just wasn't so sure if Lance Lynn was making us change court, but we could talk more about Lance Lynn later because he signed a two-year extension. 
Right. Well, we got that. We got the news on, so we did that. We did get the news on. More of what Mark heard, and there's some discussion about Liam Hendricks being on Fox and being Great. on the score. So, whatever you, whatever you got for I have, I've got three more like really pointed cuts from Rick Westhead about the Blackhawks allegations coming up. Hey okay. guys, let's break first, and then we'll we'll play those three later. We yeah. are. We're just doing we're doing production meeting on the air, Stifler. Oh, okay. Well, I was just giving good. my two cents. My are bad. you new to this? No, that's good. I yes. mean, you are the producer. You are the producer, so that was the right. Again, Sean, you've done the right thing twice now during this segment. Thank you. Yeah, you'll never be back. All right. Thank He's God. Stifler. <laughs> I'm Rosenblum. That's Grody. <laughs> Saturday second. Bears. Of course it is. Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Saturday suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. We suck so you don't have to. We are in the middle of what Mark heard. Lance Lynn has signed a two-year extension with the White Sox, $38 million being reported. Other White Sox news, Louis Robert taking some live BP and getting some light outfield work in in Arizona. Daryl Von Schauen of the Chicago Sun-Times reports. Says he's probably a couple weeks away from minor league rehab assignment, barring anything unforeseen. And I guess they're still going to give Eloy Jimenez an outfield glove, much to my chagrin, much to everyone else's chagrin. But anyways, he's working his way back, working his way back to you, babe. Mm. So anyways, we were in the middle of what Mark heard and discussing the case of the morally bankrupt Blackhawks. Yeah, in regards to the sexual assault allegations against the former video coach Brad Aldridge, and did the Blackhawks handle it correctly? And here is the the next thing: Joel Quinville's name is, has come up in this. And what did Joel Quinville know? And uh, can can you access Joel Quinville in all of this? Take a listen to Rick Westhead here. I don't think there's any way Joel Quinville couldn't somehow have known something was going on with Aldridge. Do you agree? I think that's a great question. And, and you know, when Brent Sopel told me that almost all the team coaches included knew about this, I went to the Florida Panthers and asked for a comment from Joel Quenville and told the team what I, that I was going to quote Brent Sopel saying this. The Panthers, it's not the first time I've gone to them asking for a comment from Quenville, but it's the first time I actually got a response when the team knew that Sopel was going to go on the record with this. And they came out with a statement from Joel Quenville saying that, you know, he said, well, I didn't know anything about it at the time. Uh, I didn't learn about it until the media reports earlier this year. And so I actually went back with a follow-up question, which was, how could it be that you have a video coach working for you personally for two seasons and he's fired or quits or whatever in the middle of the summer of 2010 and you're not told the circumstances about his departure? Is there, is there logic there? And I didn't get a response from the Panthers. So draw your own conclusion. It's possible that Quenville was, was told something that wasn't true or was told he's gone, don't ask any questions about it, whatever. But um, as you point out, players knew about it. Um, Jonathan Taze has been on the record in an interview with The Athletic saying he heard about it in the fall of 2010. Does, does Taze talk to Quenville? Um, you know, allegations that two players were sexually assaulted by a member of the coaching staff would seem to be something that the the team would want to get a handle on and make sure that everybody was on the same page with. Yeah, you'd think, and it I, I we don't know, but yeah, the way Rick Westhead from TSN Canada was talking right there on the Bernstein and Rahimi show here on the score, it could have been one of those I don't want to know, or his boss is saying, we'll handle it, we'll handle it. Yeah, you don't want to know. <clears throat> yeah. You just said, he's gone. That's the way it is. <clears throat> and a texter makes a good point, 815. Why didn't Sopel say something then? Uh, I don't know that he, you know, I suppose the what the texter means, why didn't say Sopel say something publicly then? And we don't know that yeah. he didn't say anything to people in management or people around the team or the coach or whatever. We don't know who said, who knew what, and when did they know it. And the, you know, chronology on Jonathan Taves is a little, I'm not sure when he knew and what he knew and what he thought, but everybody is going to come out with looking awful in this at this point. 
because it it appears to be that the, all these stories don't hang together, as Rick, has, Rick West, head of TSN in Canada, was pointing out. Yes, and l- let's get to the next cuts where our time is winding down, and we've got two more cuts that I really like to to get in before we talk bears with Hal Barkish at the top of the hour. But so again, Rick West at TSN Canada, and the idea that could this could this whole thing just end up going away? I don't know much about the city of Chicago in terms of where the Blackhawks are in the media pecking order, but is this something where they figure if we just can hold on long enough? You know, the, the, the news cycle is so fast. People's attention is so, um, people are so distracted now that we'll weather this. Our sponsors, whether it's United Airlines, whether whoever it is, Anheuser-Busch, they haven't given us any stick about it. No, no corporate backers are, are pulling their money from the team. And when I reached out to all the Blackhawks sponsors and the donors of the Chicago Blackhawks Foundation, by the way, no one would go on the record about this. So, I don't know, maybe the Blackhawks just enjoy this position in the city where they're thinking, we can weather this, it's going to go away, and if we bury the report, it won't matter. We'll be able to, you know, keep moving on with their business. So, effectively, I'm going to ask this anyway, do you think this story is getting the attention that it deserves, given the severity of what you know? Well, no. Um, and again, I think the key is this is a story that need, that should be picked up in your market so you guys would be in a better position to tell me is it are the are the regular news channels and in evening news are the newspapers covering this as well as they should are the are the local newscasts covering it just give me a little bit of a glimpse into what's happening in chicago right now with respect to this almost nothing at all it's being talked so about you have, we're well, still in that we're still trying to figure out who knew what similar to you simple talking yeah, is a well, significant data point yeah, man, and I got to tell you, he he's he's right. That is, and I thought about, hey, why isn't anybody covered? And I thought, wait a minute, I, I'm looking at myself, and I'm going, I I've been hosting a lot lately. I haven't talked about it. I haven't done anything about it. I haven't done any reporting on it or investigating on it, nor have most in in the city of Chicago. So I I thought that was a good point that, that no matter where the Blackhawks are on the pecking order, and we know where the Blackhawks are on the pecking order, they are last, but to 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 have almost like zero coverage of it except for a few really good newspaper or online reporters um yeah that's that's on us man the athletic and uh yeah. and um uh, and the sun times have done a done a good job um the the sun times ben pope did a was starting out and and did an excellent job and a lot of early work and then the athletic um katie strang has such a history of digging and and reporting these things with mark lazarus and scott powers did an excellent job recently about that yes it's not it 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 is a you know what did the blackhawks know and when did they know it and right now we don't have proof of a lot of stuff we one thing we can all conclude is the blackhawks have the blackhawks have a great fear of this to the point where they're going to rig the game, their own <laughs> investigation, their own law firm, their own money. We're going to pay for this. And like I said, they're going to come out looking well, like the vicars of Christ. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the, I hate to, to rush you through this, but th- this last cut is going to mm-hmm. add to what you are saying right now. And what happens to reporters when they, when they try to get a little bit too deep into the situation, the last this cut is, right here. As we know, a, a league and that, 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 that uses, it's power of access over reporters. If you're a beat reporter and you cover this, you won't get your calls returned. You know, the NHL won't respond to me about this. The Blackhawks are no longer responding to me about this. And I'm not sure what a crisis management firm would say. I think many of them would say, get out in front of this and, you know, always be honest and own it and try to figure out how to, to, to move forward and fix it. That's not the, That's not the strategy in the National Hockey League. The strategy is if you're going to cover this league critically, we will not take your call anymore. We will blacklist you, and uh, and then let's see how you can do your job after that. Are you experiencing that? I've been experiencing that for a couple of years. Kind of what you were talking about, right, Steve? Yep, it, and that's the way it works. It's there's I 
saw that in action and I don't care. I'm supposed to have an opinion and, and I, without relying on people to answer my questions. And that's the tough part when you're, when you're a B writer or when you're a columnist who thinks he's going to be, you, you want to be part of a information trade. It, it just, it's not going to work. Your job is, if you're a columnist, wake up and have an opinion each day. If you think you're, <laughs> and, and, and it's true. That's what, well, yeah, that's, I'm not, that's the way I looked at it. No, and that's you're your compromised life's blood. If, absolutely. You're compromised if you are waiting for someone to slip you information and you're trying to develop a relationship that will, at this point, you're going to be cut off and whatever. I'm just, I, I think it's a bad situation like this and the more the, and the Blackhawks just think they'll, they'll wait it out. You know what, when this, you know, when this doesn't happen, when Blackhawks fans say, we're not going to the United Center, we're not going to fly United, we're not going to drive what Kane and Taves drive. We're not going to have anything to do with any sponsor that the, the corporate or individual for the Blackhawks, period. That's when yep. the Blackhawks do something. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. That's when it gets gets real. In the meantime, hopefully it gets a little bit more amplified. And, yeah, it is difficult because there is little information, but even the information that comes out is not made a big deal out of. So hopefully we've done just a tiny bit here today. We have. We did. Thank you. That was that was, that was really a deep deep dive for what more occurred. Now we're yeah, going to go, yeah. gonna go find yeah. out what Hub heard or what yes. Hub wrote. We're gonna. What we're he gonna talk, you know what? To make everything better, to make the day sunshiny, Justin Fields is your Bears quarterback. Ah, yes. So we'll talk to Hub about that. Who's gonna protect him and who he's gonna throw to, and other stuff on the Bears, my friends. Bears. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.